Hello, and welcome to Control Delete, an FCC unapproved podcast from The Verge. That intro, <laughs> oh, very appropriate for this week. That intro comes from Jamie Sargent on Twitter at Jamie Surge. Uh, I am Neil Patel, I'm the editor in chief of The Verge. I'm joined as always by my friend, Verge executive editor, editor at large at Recode, Walt Mossberg. How you doing, Walt? I'm doing great, Neilai. I'm doing uh, great, and and I want to say I'm wearing the disapproval or unapproval of the FCC as a badge of honor. Oh yeah, that's. I mean, in the in the old days, this would have been like the renegade, you know, podcast not FCC licensed. Say whatever you want. Now we're just a couple of internet guys. I know, trying, trying to escape the man. I know. <laughs> uh, but Walt, we got to start. You made some news over the past couple days, and I don't want to talk about it too much, but I, we got, the listeners have to know, uh, Walt, after a 47-year run as a journalist, you are retiring. I am. That's it. I am. That, that's I, all and, you get, everybody. And it's basically, <laughs> no, no, no. I'm retiring. I'm retiring in early June, shortly after the Code Conference, which is one of our many endeavors at the, at the corporate giant known as Vox Media. And I'm doing it basically to get away from Neelai. That's my main <laughs> that's my main goal. Thank God. My plan has worked. I know. I know. And I'm so tired of the heavily scripted control wall delete. Yeah. I have to learn every line and say it exactly how it's written down. Um, I no, would remind I'm, you that on our first episode, you made me do the intro twice. Yeah. <laughs> I... Um, <laughs> I'm re- I'm retiring uh, at a point where I'm really happy. I've I've actually had a terrific couple of years working here at at, at Fox Media, and I had really had lots of wonderful work experiences over my career. But along the way, I have reinvented myself periodically. I'm 70 years old, and I think there's it's not the end. I think there's another iteration of me still to come. But to do that, I think I need to retire and then reinvent myself and that's what i'm going to do yeah well it's been just uh incredibly remarkable run and so and i i've had so much fun doing the show we have you're not retiring yet we've got what is it five or six more episodes of control yeah, we do. delete yeah. left to do um there's obviously the, the code conference um i think you're gonna you're, you're gonna hang on until after wwc so we'll have some coverage of what's going on there i intend to bring Walt back as many times as I can over the next few years, as much as he'll he'll let us. Um, there's a big iPhone coming out later in the year, so uh, you're, Walt's retiring. We're going to give him a space, but we've got some stuff left to do here, and I'm going to do my best to to wrangle him back in for some things here and there as time goes on. Well, Look, I might the, be I might be wranglable. You yeah, never you never know. Besides, if we can't get Ajit Pai in the Virtuous, we'll have Walt. Come <laughs> <back>. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's kind of what we're going to do today. But. It is what we're going to do. So we, should, we should get into it. So, Walt, uh, we've talked a lot on this show about what is going on with the internet, how it's regulated, how it's managed, how it works, how the carriers are doing stuff, how big internet companies like Facebook and Google uh, try to kind of bend the way that the, the internet works to, to their advantage. Uh, and your column this week was, hey, the way we're doing it now isn't working. Maybe we should try something else. Right. So – you know, the, the government has uh, – I'm, I'm talking about the U.S. government. Other governments have, have done different things, some of them very bad. But in the United States, we have, in my opinion, wavered between, you know, total hands-off to the point where companies on the internet didn't have to comply with, like, collecting sales tax, which I think was inappropriate. 
to you know, heavy, you know, trying to censor the internet to either allowing or disallowing various kinds of com combinations of power, net neutrality, pri privacy, all these things, none of them have really been resolved in any way that's permanent. They change and, you know, most recently, uh, Neelai and I and a bunch of other people have had some issues with the new Trump uh, uh administration's attitude toward a number of these issues. So I uh, have been thinking about it for a while, um, and I think that we need a new approach, an entirely new approach. I don't think we, uh, we're equipped in our political system to uh, deal uh, properly with and to protect the internet and preserve it. And so I suggest, I, I, I basically said, here's my plan to preserve the internet. And my plan is to treat it like the great natural resources that we have protected in the United States over the years and the great national projects, engineering projects we've taken on. So things like Yosemite National Park and the other national parks, things like, uh, you know, hallowed battlefields. I used Gettysburg as an example. And things like the Interstate Highway Program and the Landing of uh, Humans on the Moon Program. Uh, and, and even President Trump's infrastructure program that he campaigned on. These kind, these are big challenges that we like to think we take on in America and we are proud of. And in the case of the, of the national parks and the battlefields and things like that, that's kind of, those are unique national, national treasures that we protect. And so I think we need to redefine the internet as one of those things. I think it's like air now. I think it's it's like the electrical grid or whatever you want to call it. It's very important. There's an infinite number of things that depend on it and that uh, hang off it uh, that have not only economic value but social and cultural value, scientific value, artistic value, whatever. And uh, I'm not advocating, so please don't, don't send those angry tweets you're typing right now. I'm not a advocating the, that the government should control, own, or manage the internet. And um, I'm not advocating the decommercialization of the internet. But I am advocating a system which I hope would result in a better balance of you know, commercial overreach versus economic opportunity, a better balance between uh, privacy and uh, the things uh, advertising gets you on the internet. And the system is really an adjudicatory system. It's not a regulatory system. And what I mean by that is I think we should set up, uh, I think Congress should pass a fairly simple law setting out broad uh, principles of protecting the internet. Not a 1,200-page bill, but a simple law. And in that law, they should set up either a laser-focused, permanent, nonpartisan commission that's not designed to write regulations but to adjudicate issues or set up a special court. And I don't know how many of our readers know this. Uh, I know Neelai does. But we already have in our country a number of special federal courts that just hear issues on very specific issues. So the judges and the clerks and the lawyers who practice before those courts know a lot about those issues. And so we have a court on taxes. We have a court on veterans' claims. We have a, uh, a, a court on trade issues. 
And it could be that this, depending on what Congress decides, this bill I'm proposing could result in uh, either an agency or a court. But neither one would write regulation. They would, they would begin to accumulate a set of precedents in their decisions. And it w in my opinion, I compared it in the column to how the offensive line protects the quarterback. The idea is to protect the internet, let it flourish when there are issues that seem to threaten it, adjudicate those issues in a timely way with expertise. I mean, you know, you go to Congress today, you go to the White House, you go to many district courts, and a lot of the people making the decisions don't even understand the internet. Yeah. I mean, and, that right now, the we have talked about this so many times, the conflation between the telecom companies and the tech industry yeah. that is occurring throughout Congress, throughout the administrative bodies, throughout the, basically the entire government is it, it, it's what leads to so many bad decisions or bad ideas. But there's also, you know, flip side. I think all the telecom companies would would like the ability to be treated more like a tech company. And there's no there's every time these decisions happen again, there's a new cast of characters who think about it differently, who move that kind of blurry line between what is the the economic activity happening on the internet, what is the who are the service providers. And so every argument is actually the same argument instead of moving on to the real issue as far as I can tell. Right. And these things need to be settled and then we can move on. And there could be new players. So maybe that's a new case, but there's a body of precedence. So the, the administrative law judges or the actual judges, if it's a court or the commissioners or whoever they are, can say, oh, there's a precedent about this. Maybe this doesn't exactly fit the president, but maybe it does, you know, and that's the way these things get done. But but I would like to see the internet treated differently than just another random economic enterprise, different than a bunch of servers, even though it is a bunch of servers. Um, it's just too important and it's too broad and, and it's too special. Well, I think and, there, we and we've had an example of this. We had an example where a, a, an adjudicatory proceeding, that is somebody bringing an action against somebody else, happened not to be in a court, it happened to be at the FCC uh, in 1968, and it happened to be on a tech issue, it was a telecom issue at the time, you know, had huge positive consequences for the future, and that was a, a case called the, the Carter phone case, where a very small company, essentially a one-man or a few-people company named Carter Electronics, made a gadget that I think it patched a two-way radio into yep. the landline phone network. I mean, this thing looks ridiculous. I encourage everybody to go Google. The yeah, it looks like a Carter shoe phone. made out of Bakelite. <laughs> yeah. And ba by the way, Bakelite is a really like, was the first <laughs> plastic. And he was blocked from selling his invention because AT and T. The old AT&T, not the one we have now, was a monopoly. We only had a landline phone network. It was owned by AT&T, and AT&T had convinced the federal government, the federal regulators, that um, no device that wasn't owned, uh, made by AT&T's subsidiary or affiliate, which was a company called Western Electric, no device not from AT&T could ever go on the phone network because it would, quote, and I'm using air quotes here, harm the network. And so we had these 
I mean, I'm like I say, I'm an old guy. I know this. Not everybody listening maybe remembers. You can look it up on on the on the web. But there were these big heavy phones and really no innovation, and that's what we had. Carter had an innovation. Um, it probably was a pretty small market, but he had an innovation. But it required patching into the phone network. And the FCC said, Carter can do this. And then they went beyond that and said, and by the way, since you raised this, uh, and this is me paraphrasing, they said it in legalese, but hey, this whole stupid rule, this whole rule about you can't attach anything to your phone line is dumb. So we throw that out. And I think it was unanimous. There was one commissioner who for some reason didn't participate, but you know, it was bipartisan and it was unanimous in the FCC of 1968. So that the, that's, shows you that if you take the adjudicatory route, you can actually make change and, and you can actually preserve the best parts of what you have and keep away the dangers. And well, the, what's, I think about <laughs> – this is this is what kind of nerd I am. I think about the Carter phone decision almost every day. Holy Be- shit! <laughs> it's terrible. That's why I'm getting out of here, I need, audience. I, I need <laughs> hobbies. Please send your hobbies to at Reckless on Twitter. Uh, but no, the Carter phone decision that let anybody plug anything into the phone network and communicate over it is the reason that years later people could plug modems into their computer, connect into the phone line, and then call other computers, and then eventually call you know, central BBSs, and then eventually call America Online, and then eventually call dial-up internet service providers. That, if you didn't, if the phone companies were allowed to restrict what could connect to their network, they would have been allowed to immediately tax the use of the internet. Or block it. Or block it, right. it It would have at the very least been severely delayed until somebody came up with IP broadband. And who knows if they even would have Right, because the point. demand for faster internet access wouldn't have been built organically right. by people using the phone. And I, and I can tell you that um, I can still remember it was some – it was in the 70s. So it was you know, maybe four or five years after the Carter phone. I never bought a Carter phone, by the way. But I <laughs> You didn't need to connect your two-way radio <laughs> no, network to the I phone didn't. system? <laughs> uh, I didn't need to connect my ham radio or whatever it was. But uh, no offense, ham radio operators who are listening. We love you. But um, I can remember here in D.C. where I live and work, uh, somebody opened a store that sold phones. And the idea that you could – here's the thing. Not only did the AT&T phones – I will say they were very durable. But but not only were they ugly and had no features, no features. I mean the idea of multiple lines and everything was for – they sold. They had a model. They sold the businesses for that. But I mean, your home phone didn't have that stuff. Your home phone jack was 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 wired shut, like you couldn't pull the cord out and put another cord in. And somebody opened a phone store in D.C. and the phones I think were made by I don't know Panasonic or somebody, and they were they had stuff in them. They had buttons instead of dials, and they had multiple lines and they had you could move them from room to room and there were all kinds of interesting things and i remember racing over there and buying a phone uh, i don't know what it cost me but you know it was so exciting that you could buy a phone and i wasn't it had nothing to do with the internet at the time but it was just the freedom to do that yeah i the, the big question here is 
if you build the network, how much control over it do you get? And the answer in the American system for the longest time has been, well, it's yours. You built it. You own it. You get to do whatever you want. And what Walt touched on at the very beginning when he was talking about it is the internet and these huge national communications networks, they've, they transcend just being a piece of you know, the company's private infrastructure. They have turned into public utilities, which is fundamentally the debate going on at the FCC about net neutrality right now. It used to be the internet used to not be classified as a public utility. It was classified as an information service. And now, or, sorry, in 2015, uh, Obama and the, the Tom Wheeler FCC reclassified it under Title II. They made it a common carrier and they said this is a utility. And now the Trump administration and Ajit Pai, Trump's FCC chairman, want to undo that classification. And that is the whole fight. The whole fight is, is the internet a public utility or not? But what I'm saying is you don't have to do that. Look, yeah. I am a capitalist. I believe in the market system. I do believe that if uh, Verizon or AT&T build out a giant wireless network or somebody else builds out a landline network uh, like Verizon has done with Fios, for example, uh, they do own it and they do have a right to, to make a profit from it and all of that. I mean that's the free market. That's capitalism. But it does not free them from all their other responsibilities and it happens that the internet – is a real thing that is hugely important to everybody else. And so if your network is carrying internet, you know, they could say we have a network, it's only going to carry voice calls. They could say that, in which case they wouldn't be covered by the Walt plan at all because I don't really care about voice calls. <laughs> but if they're going to carry internet traffic, then if this plan I have proposed should come into effect, and, and by the way, I know it's not going to come into effect, in the current administration. That's another thing I put in the column. I get it. I haven't been under a rock. But <laughs> but if it comes into effect... Even if you were under the rock, I don't know that you could ignore the current yeah, administration. Right. So if, <laughs> if, if, they would they, find you. if they are carrying internet traffic, then if this plan went into effect, they would have to submit to the decisions of this court or agency, whatever it is, that whose whole function is to keep the internet as open as possible not to decommercialize it you know mm -hmm. you can make money off it but you can't make money off it in every possible way that is harmful that is overreach there is such a thing as economic overreach there is such a thing as other there are other kinds of abuse uh, of of the internet and um, uh, it'll be the job of these Non, I stress again, nonpartisan people who know something about the internet who spend all day and all night just working on the internet. They're not working on anything else. They're not regulating, you know, broadcast TV like the FCC does. Right. And they're not regulating. They're not responding to swear word complaints about the radio. Yeah, and and you know they're not doing all the zillion things the FTC does. They're just doing the internet, uh, and so if you're you have a choice as a as a private company. You and I work at a, at a at a company. It's called Vox Media. It depends on the internet. It, it this podcast is on the internet. We my column that we're discussing went out over the internet, but we don't own internet pipes. So that's our we, you know, we made a choice. That's our business. 
Guy well, I think that's the, the, the real... guy down the street runs a restaurant. You know, he has some dependence on the internet, but mostly he's running a restaurant. I mean, everybody makes different choices. If Verizon wants to do internet traffic, and by the way, now do internet, as we discussed last week, do internet content and internet ads, then they're going to be subject to this if this went into effect. Yeah. I mean, I, the, the the core question here, uh, and you, you brought up us in your column in this podcast, for us to do our work, to have our careers, to make our livings, to to produce journalism in this world, we wholly depend on a stable internet that works, right? And every company that we've talked about on this show for you know, the, the year or two that we've been doing it, they're wholly dependent on these networks functioning. There isn't a tech company existent right now that doesn't make a product that you know, exists without the internet. And so if you start letting the carriers monkey with it, there needs to be a place where Google can say, hey, Verizon, you're blocking YouTube in favor of speeding up Go90. And there's right now that it that's like a big I can't believe deal. you even say you managed to say Go90 in every podcast. I just like bringing it up so the readers know it's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> the listeners. The rather. readers do so, know that. Uh, but like that's to me that's the case, right? Like it, it is true. Right. That, but but can I just say in in, in fairness Vice versa, if if Verizon thought Google was blocking something, Go90 or yeah. whatever Verizon, you know, some Yahoo property or AOL property they own, they would have a right to go to this court or agency commission and say, hey, we, we, this is wrong. This is harming the principles that Congress laid down for the protection of the internet. So it's not like this is ganging up on the ISPs or ganging up on Google. It's it's everybody. Consumers could presumably have standing to go and bring complaints. Right. Everybody could. So this proposal, it's actually interesting. I never wrote about this because it was so wonky. But I talked to – And thanks. <laughs> well, no, your proposal. But I talked to an economist named Hal Singer uh, a couple months ago. Um, and he, you know, he has been an expert witness in tons of cases where – uh, cable networks like Comcast, who are get into a fight with um, a cable channel like the Golf Channel or something. Right. Um, there's all kinds of weird things cable networks can do. When you turn on your cable box, there is literally the order in which cable channels are presented on the the, the numbered channel grid. Right. That can make or break you as a cable channel. If you're at the top of the list, um, you know your people are going to see it. If you're at the bottom of the list, you're not going to see it. Uh, the the rates, the carriage rates, uh, cable companies pay to the channels varies. There's all kind. There, there's just it's complicated, um, and it, there's a lot of money at stake. And there is actually a special court set up to adjudicate those conflicts. See, there uh, are these special. They courts. exist. Um, and what Hal Singer was telling me was, it exists because there is a gap in the law between sort of the antitrust things that we think about and sort of the FCC's communications-based things that it thinks about. So the FTC lives in the world of antitrust. The FCC lives in the world of public interest. And there's a gap in the middle. And these special courts are set up to fill the gap. And, you know, if you run some tiny little cable channel and you think some 
rickety regional cable network is screwing you over and you can't figure out whether you should go to the FCC, which is you know one big crazy process, and it doesn't quite rise to the level of antitrust concerns which get the FTC involved, there's a court for you to go to. And the government actually set it up because they recognized this gap that people needed to resolve these issues without these big seesaws between antitrust and consumer interest. And while your proposal, you know, I was reading your, editing your column last night, it really struck me as it's right in line with this idea. But what it leads to, which I think is interesting and worth thinking about, and you brought it up slightly, is right now the entire conversation is how do we regulate AT&T, Comcast, Verizon, whatever. But if you open it up, it leads to, oh, well, then we'll also get some regulation of Google, Facebook, whatever else. And is that acceptable? Like, do you think that that is also what's needed? That no, I'm not talking. Let me just be say it yeah. again. I'm not talking about regulation. I'm talking about adjudication, and you know the difference. Yeah, but ultimately, you are a lapsed you lawyer. You are someone gets to constrain your behavior, right? Someone if, does. That's right. That's the way civilized societies work. <laughs> Seriously, I mean. In uncivilized societies, yeah. someone gets to constrain your behavior with a machine gun. Right. But in civilized societies, they do it by a process of adjudication or there are some other processes. I do not – I explicitly do not want uh, – do not envision in this plan an agency that writes regulations. And I do not envision, by the way, Congress writing a million laws either at, other than this very sort of manifesto-like. Uh, law about right, that creates this commission. That creates this. Um, I envision, yes, there will be constraints because you'll lose some cases, but there, you may you may win other cases, and somebody else is constrained. The point is, what's your goal? What's your, what are the, you keep your eye on the prize, and what's the prize? The prize is a flourishing internet that is open to all uh, and provides educational opportunity, cultural opportunity, social opportunity, and economic opportunity to a wide, the widest possible variety of people. And when you see, uh, when somebody feels aggrieved, they go, mm, a lot of the cases will probably be thrown out. That's typical. Uh, but others will not be. And the adjudicators will say, hey, this is going to narrow down the opportunities to use the internet. So we're going to rule in the way that keeps it as open as possible. And so, and so it's not a regulation. But yes, you are correct that Google and Facebook and you know the big five, which we've talked also talked about in, in the Valley that controls so much of everything, Google, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, yeah, they have a lot of power. There's a huge concentration of power among those five companies. And I imagine they'll be involved on both sides, either as plaintiffs or defendants in a bunch of these, uh, or whatever you call it, Neil, what do you call it when it's not criminal? Uh, civil litigation, I guess? In no, whatever. Matters. You know, respondents, whatever they are. Yeah. They'll, they'll be involved in a lot of these cases. So, yeah. yeah. You know, we're not, we're not, it's not 1996, and the notion that the any company that happens, you know, this was something that AOL push through this idea that, well, we're just a plat neutral platform. We're not responsible for anything. That's just bullshit. Yeah. These people are responsible. They're extremely – they're among the wealthiest companies in the entire world in any industry, and they are responsible. 
and they have a lot of power, uh, economic power and other kinds of power, and there needs to be some way to deal with it. But I don't like the idea of the government writing regulations and controlling things uh, in an affirmative way and just saying, hey, here's our vision of the Internet. You have to go for it, and here's you can do this, you can't do that through a law or, reg or regulation, which can be changed or reversed or whatever. I just think it ought to be an adjudicatory process, like you said, the, the economist you know yeah. uh, pointed out. Well, you know, it, even right this second, um, you know, the, pro the broadband privacy rules the FCC had scheduled to go into effect were halted by Congress. Was big outcry. Right. And now individual states are passing similar rules because there's obviously been an outcry. And what's obviously interesting about that is the internet does not respect the boundaries of any state. So Google can't reasonably have a different policy in Illinois as it does in Maryland, right? Like it's it, right. So, you know, if Illinois passes one law, suddenly it affects to everyone in the country because if Verizon wants to offer a service in Illinois, it makes no sense to suddenly have a different exactly. policy for the That's why it has that, to like be it on just the gets level. messy so fast. Just has to be on the it has to be on the federal level, it has to be specifically about this. It has to have people who are who understand it, uh, who are trained in it. It has to, you know, follow the rules of civil procedure or whatever they are. And everybody has to understand the rules and how you do it and um and everybody has to follow them. I mean, I'm not saying there might not be an appeal to some circuit level or to the Supreme Court on some things. Uh, there's no way to avoid that, I think, in, in the U.S. Uh, uh, system, governing system. But uh, hopefully a lot of the cases would just begin and end right at, right at this uh, level I'm proposing. I just don't see any other way around it. And by the way, those of you reading it or listening to the podcast who are just against the government having any role in anything, you know what? Just go join some anarchist cult because that's really what you are. I mean, the government is and should be – the government can way overreach. I agree with you and it can screw up. I would never – you know, I used to cover the Pentagon, which in some ways is the largest company in the world. And it always paid 10 times as much as it needed to for bottles of ketchup. I mean, there's a lot of things the government does wrong. But the government is our commons. It's our place where we try to take care of managing the society in a way that doesn't resort to everybody killing each other. And uh, so having a rule of law and a system of law and a system of resolving disputes makes a lot of sense, and it can only be lodged in the government, really. Yeah. This episode of Control Elite is brought to you by Toyota, an all-new 2017 Highlander. When the weekend comes, you don't want to sit around the house. You want to get out there with the family, explore new places, and try new things. Maybe check out a science museum, hit a festival, or just head out into nature. The new Highlander is the perfect vehicle for discovery. It starts on the outside with sleek design, aggressive new front grille that says, you've got an attitude for adventure. And its improved powertrain makes it more fun to drive and more fuel efficient than ever. It also has Toyota Safety Sense technology, standard. And one of the best features is driver easy speak, which lets you broadcast what you say to the rear seat so your passengers can hear you. It doesn't mean they'll listen, but at least they'll hear you. So navigate to your nearest Toyota dealer or toyota.com and see why there's always more to discover in the new 2017 Highlander. 
By the way, drivers are responsible for their own safe driving. Always pay attention to your surroundings and drive safely. Depending on the conditions of road, weather, and vehicle, the systems may not work as intended. See the owner's manual for additional limitations and details. So, here's my question to you. I've got a column from 10 years ago, October yeah. 21, 2007. How young I was. Free my phone. <laughs> this, is, this is an all things D, so I think you wrote your own headline for this one. It I wasn't did, a yeah. Wall Street Journal. No, no, special. no. Well, it, it was it was a reprint of a Wall Street Journal one. So yeah. Uh, well, free my phone. Great headline. Two thousand seven, and it, you, you as always refer to the big cell phone carriers as Soviet ministries. Uh-huh. But you've got this couple paragraphs here where you talk about how hard it is for companies to participate. So here's here's just the the line. As a technology reviewer, I have met with multiple small companies that have trouble getting their programs on a consumer's phones without the permission of carriers. Getting that permission often requires paying the carriers. There's clumsy workarounds, but it's nothing like the ability small software companies have had for decades to offer products for installation on Windows or Mac. We also need much greater portability of phone hardware. You go on to talk about standards like CDMA. And then you say, the problem is even worse. The government didn't require CDMA companies to include a SIM card in their phones so Sprint and Verizon customers can keep their phones. This stuff all exists today, now. (laughs) It's still all there. I know. It's shape-shifted a little bit, so it's way easier to get an app onto a phone now. Right. But there's still just one Not to get it noticed, but you can get it on there, yeah. Right, but there's only – But when I was writing about this, it was the days that some listeners may remember where – you know, the phone companies determined they had a, what was called a deck. Like you would open your phone, and there would be a text list of the apps, of the, f- the functions of the phone, and you had to pay them to appear on the first page or somewhere high on that list. And uh, today, it's you don't necessarily have to bribe Google and Apple, but it's pretty, you know. Unless you somehow figure out a way to market yourself, you're going to be down in the silo somewhere of the app store. Yeah. But it's still the same, right? The, the problem is ultimately the same, right? It, app companies can't innovate freely with how they sell things or give demos because Apple controls all that stuff. What we're talking about with net neutrality and privacy, if you know, if it all falls apart and Title II goes away, net neutrality is gone, Verizon and Comcast and whoever can selectively – throttle or block certain certain services or right. preferentially speed up their own, or if you pay them, preferentially speed up yours. We're talking about issues that you identified literally 10 years ago. So the, the question is, do you think it's gotten better or worse or the same? What's the dynamic that you've seen over the past Well, I think years? some things have gotten better. I mean, what I was writing about at that point and why I called them the Soviet ministries, I call them that because they – like in the Soviet Union where they had a completely planned economy, and I know something about it because I used to cover that stuff, and I had been in Soviet ministries before they went away, um, they inserted themselves between the consumer and the producer um, and tried to make all the decisions that the market would normally make, and that's what I was referring to there. So I think one thing that has gotten a lot better is that when the iPhone came out, and this column must have been written just about the time the iPhone came out. When it came out, it soon was clear that the power, a power shift was underway and companies that made phones had, in Apple's case, total power. I don't think even today in Samsung's case, for instance, they have total power, but they have a lot more power to 
design their phone the way they want without the carriers telling them this is the way it has to be designed or you can't won't be allowed to run on our network or you know to do the software they want the way they want without the carriers interfering at least as much again i think it surprises me but ten, even 10 years out there's still more carrier interference in this than um i would have expected apple still has more independence they're, really they're the only ones with essentially complete independence and that would have surprised me after the iphone came out but samsung huawei google pixel whoever else is out there um they have a lot more independence than the handset makers had back in the day when i wrote that free my phone column so that's changed and that's been for the better yeah i, I think that you know in 2007 the idea of a phone being a primary internet access device didn't wasn't even in the picture. People saw it coming, particularly after the iPhone came out. People definitely saw it coming, but it wasn't it wasn't on the radar screen yet. And now the phone is just so obviously the primary. The phone is your personal computer, right? We've we've talked about that on this show. So that shifted, but I think the the amount of control that some companies have, in some ways, has gone up dramatically. So I think that. Again, the App Store one we've talked about all all over the place on this show and on the site. Um, the amount of control that the other icons on your phone have. So Facebook has a tremendous amount of control over how media is distributed. Uh, Google has an immense amount of control over search. Uh, Google owns YouTube. YouTube is, I would say, the, the video platform of record on the internet right now. They have an immense amount of control over how videos are distributed and who gets – literally now who gets paid, right? There's a there's a whole controversy happening on the, on the YouTube influencer star world about how Google is paying them and whether or not that's sustainable. Uh, people are pulling ads from Google and YouTube. Like the amount of concentrated control that some, some of the biggest winners on the internet, the big five as you call them – have has gone up. And I think the question is, as you've raised, should should we consider that in the same sort of space, in the same body as we consider how the telcos run the network, right? And I, that's, that's the heart of this debate, right? The telcos want to be regulated the same way that we regulate Google. They're mad that they aren't. And we always look at it and say, well, well the, make some stuff that's as good as Google. But the plan I wrote this morning solves that because yeah. they – They'd all be treated the same. Now, it might not be within the purview, depending on the laws written and the precedents are, are, are established, it might not be within the purview of this court or administrative body to decide who controls search. I just don't know. Unless, you know, the guiding North Star for this ought to be is the internet being harmed? Is the internet being closed off by X or Y? I don't think traditionally antitrust law it does very well. It's kind of a blunt, dumb instrument on this. Besides, it takes forever. I don't think uh, the FCC uh, or the FTC do it uh, very well. Um, this agency hopefully would, would do it very well. Maybe they wouldn't get into that. Maybe they wouldn't say, well, Apple, you have too many, I don't know, tablet apps that nobody else has. Uh, and that's a problem. I, I sort of, that sounds far-fetched to me, but yeah. maybe, you never know. I just think they'd all be equal before the, the law under this adjudicatory process. 
And remember, it's super important. This is not the same thing as writing regulations. This is them waiting for disputes. to. They're not proactive. Disputes come to them. They either think, well, this is stupid or we've already covered this. We're not going to waste our time <laughs> with it. Or they think this is really important for protecting the internet because our whole mission is protecting the internet. Well, I think we figured out what, what you're going to do in retirement. We're going we're gonna <laughs> to set you up on this commission. We're, gonna, we're all going to come to you hat in hand, hoping for some resolution. Yeah, you get it passed, Neela. <laughs> I'll be the oldest intern on the commission. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, to me, the question is like uh, – Oh, do we? Does that just open the door to more conflict and more standstill? Right. I mean, I think what we all want is these decisions to be made more cleanly, more transparently, with a modicum of common sense about how the internet works. I mean, I feel that frustration. I know you do. Our listeners tweet at me all the time that they don't understand why no one seems to understand how it works in the way that if you pay attention, you and you are interested. You clearly understand how it works. But there's so much depth here. And the question is, well, if you if you put some people in charge and you give them some power, aren't they just going to want more? Aren't they going to be more subject to whims? How, how do you think you guard against that? Well, I don't think uh, – you know, humans aren't perfect. Yeah. And something could go wrong. But so, you know, in the last paragraph, by the way, I invited people to modify – suggest modifications to this or – their own plan if they want. You know, we, somebody, we just need a plan. I gave you mine this morning. Um, you're welcome. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, but, but to answer your question, in my conception of this plan, and I didn't go into every detail, these decisions would be timely and they would be done by people who are dis- disinterested and understand the internet. That's the idea. Uh, I, I, I mentioned it when I talked about getting rid of the politically the politically motivated FCC and FTC who have been sometimes done very good things, like we talked about the Carter phone decision, but oftentimes not. And and whatever they do is controversial. Now, if you if you're saying to me there will be controversy, yeah, uh, there will be controversy. That's just I don't care how, what your plan is, there will be controversy. Uh, if you're asking me, is this going to drag out forever? I would not structure it. That the whole idea here is for it to be structured in a way that it doesn't drag out forever. And I'm sure somebody will write in, citing some case before the special court on taxes that dragged out 20 years. Could be. Um, there's got to be a way to write this and construct this so it doesn't drag out forever. Um, if they can you know, be debating putting in a pitch clock in baseball. They can put in some kind of <laughs> clock for this. Um, <laughs> well, they are debating that. Um, so, you know, this doesn't have to drag out forever. It, it shouldn't be politicized if it's done right. And it should not require a lot of time to get up to, for the clerks to explain to the, to the commissioners or judges, you know, what HTTPS is. I mean yeah. – these are people, both the, both the commissioners or the judges and their staff should all know that stuff because that's what they're going to do all day long, every day. And, and future uh, uh, you know, protocols that come along. They might even, Neela, I have to know what a friend is. <laughs> uh, this is my nightmare right now. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. For, you, for the listener, 
I am trying to figure out what is happening in the Apple Qualcomm patent licensing case. And it is just between net neutrality, which is all I covered in 2014 and 15, and now patent licensing, which is all I covered in 2012 and 2013, I have just, I've circled all the way back in my life. Fran stands, by the way, for fair, reasonable, non-discriminatory. That's where we are, right? The, the industry is so big and the economic consequences of everything it does are so massive that almost everything has this complicated series of agreements and laws and regulations underpinning it. And I think we, as product reviewers and consumers, tend not to see it, right? And I think what we're getting at is it's we shouldn't see it, right? You should just get great products and they should compete on the marketplace fairly and there should be good competition. And for the most part, that's been there, right? The phones have gotten better because of competition. That's great. But the that layer of law and regulation and agreement hasn't kept pace and it's time for something so that's a little bit the more idea modern. of the yeah. wall plan the i wall keep plan. campaigning for the wall plan i'm telling you and i'm saying you know you're about to retire you're gonna have some free time we're gonna <laughs> you already are live close to dc i don't know you're sort of you're sort of <laughs> telling me i'm not gonna have as much free time as i thought <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, you know, there's still some stuff to do in this world, but and besides, you know, the traffic here, here there. commuting down from the burbs to DC, <laughs> it's a lot to ask somebody. We're gonna get you on a special commission. I'm sure Jared Kushner will be put in charge of it. He's in yeah. charge of everything else, <laughs> right? And we're gonna get this going. It's gonna be great. It'll be the one legislative thing that happens. But, this, but in to this be serious for a second, yeah, the point underlying what I was thinking when I wrote this this morning was the only way to get out of this is to start all over. Yeah. Is to say, this is not something we've ever seen before. Yes, you can make all kinds of analogy to, I don't know, the steel mills in the, whenever that was, you know, a big antitrust deal or the national parks. And I made some of those analogies, but the, but the point is they're not, you know, figuring out how to maintain a healthy, open, competitive uh, situation for oil or steel or, you know, the use of land or whatever in the past, none of the uh, antitrust, none of those things apply very well. They're all, we know now from experience, they don't work very well when you're talking about actually trying to ensure your supply of oxygen. And the internet is your supply of oxygen. It right. just is. And I, you know, I, I actually really dislike it when people bring up this comparison because this law has been amended several times in massive ways. But the law that created the FCC, was the Telecommunications Act, was signed in 1934, right? And so we've been building on this. And again, huge changes have come. Bill Clinton signed a massive one in 1996. But we're still... We're still basing the, the fundamental idea of how we should organize our telecommunication system is built on a law that was written in 1934. And I said, I, like I said, I, I, I usually get a little irritated when people bring it up. Politicians love to bring it up. Why are we letting some ancient law regulate the internet? Well, it's been changed a lot. Like all of our laws have been changed a lot. The Constitution was written a long time ago too. It's not like we're trying to throw that out. But this idea of something new and like a wholesale rethink, even from 1996. That's a long time ago in internet time. 
And the idea that we need to organize something new is... Well, I think that's right. The point is the Internet is just not like these other things. And it, it's kind of like somebody decided that veterans deserve to be treated differently. Now, there are problems with the VA, and I'm not going to... I don't know enough about that to talk about it, but at least in terms of adjudication, there's a special court for that. Mm-hmm. I didn't set it up. I don't even know the history of how it got set up. But somebody decided veterans were a different thing and needed to be handled in a different way. I presume because we all owe them a tremendous debt. Uh, it's a different set of reasoning for the internet, but it's not a different, you know, it's not a different animal in the sense that there are just some things that stand above and apart from the daily ebb and flow of politics and economics in the country and uh, in the world for that matter and that uh, we ought to handle it differently. And I think it's been a clear failure so far. I think it's been a fail. Congress has been a fail. I don't care if you're talking about the Democrats or the Republicans, by the way. <laughs> Con- Congress has been a fail. The FCC has been a fail. The FTC has been a fail. All of our different agencies that seem to have worked okay for some older and different industries that aren't as fundamental have been a fail. And that, by the way, that includes the early days when they, uh, I mentioned this earlier, but where they just sit, said no law should apply to the internet. You know, that's ridiculous too. So I'm saying start over again and here's my idea for starting over again yeah. without being heavy-handed. Yeah. And I, you know, there there's a little bit of interest out in the world. Like, you know, as we said earlier – there have been some private proposals to kind of do a new thing and have a new regime, a new regulatory structure. There have been some governmental proposals. Our government is not totally great at doing anything right now, so we'll see if they come about. Um, but you, oh, it's not going to happen in this. You know, starting over again. Let's say somebody did something completely different than the plan I put forward today, but they but it had in common with it the idea of starting all over. It's not going to happen in this administration. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. We, um, uh, the, the former counselor to Tom Wheeler, uh, Gigi Sohn, has been writing a few pieces for us. And she wrote one earlier this week. Um, and she noted at the bottom that the Republicans in Congress passed the bill to pull back on the privacy rules. And there was an outcry. And then they responded by sending a letter to the FCC saying, well, keep enforcing the privacy rules. Please, no. until Not we get good. it sorted out, and it's just this whipsaw of like crazy, quite honestly. Of well, if you did a search in my column this morning, you'd find the word whipsaw pretty high up. Oh, uh, there it is. Yeah, so I I, I agree with you. I, I think we need some some smarter people who are more permanently dedicated to the task. It opens the door, as you said, to some controversy. Some controversy, um, certainly some politicizing is. Is this thing it's created and, and shaped? But the idea that we need something new uh, is very appealing to me. Um, and the idea that we need some people who have a better understanding and respect for the amount of innovation the internet as a, a standardized platform brings to the world versus the amount of freedom and you know flexibility the network company needs to innovate and make it faster because that's the tension and it's it's an understood tension. But what you have is lobbyists insisting that their side is completely correct instead of it being a balance. Having some people in the middle to to shepherd that balance forward, I think, is 
is an important thing. And while in your retirement, I look forward to your campaign, uh, <laughs> and I hope you send me a brochure or a pamphlet, <laughs> because that would just be great. And you know who would like this idea of doing something new to protect the over uh, the open internet? Who would really like that idea? Who's that? Can you, can you guess? Is it, is it Steve Jobs? Dieter Dieter Bone. Dieter, I think Dieter would. I, he and I are probably going to end up talking a bunch about this on the Vergecast. By the way, there's your Dieter mentioned for the week. That's what. That's why I said it. It is. Uh, but it also happens to be true. It's true. I mean, the, I'm not saying Dieter. Uh, let me be clear. I don't have Dieter's endorsement for my specific plan. He may be one of those people who has a good modification for it yeah. or a diff- his own plan. Could be the Walt plan, the Dieter plan. Who knows? But the point is, I think I, I feel quite sure that Dieter would like to just start over and do something effective to keep the internet open. Yeah. Whatever that is. You know, I, I don't want to give away – Casey Newton, who also works with us, is, is working on a big story about, about Facebook. And I don't want to give it away entirely. But one of the themes of it is that Facebook has tried all of this stuff and there's been all this worry that Facebook is going to pull everything back into itself. And the open web that is a little bit more democratic and run by some, you know, quite frankly, frustrating big committees tends to win out over time um, and has won out recently over time. Uh, I'm sorry. Has, Andrew fixed that. Uh, has won out recently w- w- with some big stuff. I think there's, there's something to be learned there. I, I don't want to give away Casey's story entirely, but that's a very Dieter thing to me, that the, the open architecture and the, the one that is a little bit more democratic – tends to survive and mutate and change and adapt and become more resilient over time. And that's the thing that's worth protecting, right? The, the thing that everybody can connect to and build their own little businesses and services and apps and whatever on, as opposed to the closed system where if your priorities change, suddenly everything gets wiped out in the end. Anyhow, I think that's that's it for the week. We're kind of running over time here. Uh, Walt, I know you want to talk about push-button shifters. <laughs> we we didn't get to that. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Uh, but- the listeners should know that on Twitter today, someone posted uh, – someone on The Verge <laughs> reviewed a car. It had a push-button shifter. or It, had it wasn't some a review. Of, no, it was a crazy shifter. The, it was new, a, the new York Auto Show is going on right now. All right. Let me, let me back up. a whole bunch up. of people there. Somebody posted a picture of yeah. a shifter and Neelai was going crazy about this car and – said, and the shifter is really weird looking. And then somebody posted a picture of a push-button shifter. And Neil goes, what? Whoa, what is that? Yeah. And I said on Twitter, <laughs> I learned to drive on a 1960-something Plymouth that that had a push-button shifter. Yeah. And they're, and, all, they're all making a comeback. And I found a picture of, you know, another Chrysler model that had it. And there, soon there were like five different pictures, and Neilai was educated about about push the button push shifters. button shifters in the '60s. Well, what's happening now is all the shifters are uh, they're electronic; they don't actually link to anything. They're just buttons. So the car manufacturers are going crazy designing and redesigning these shifters. I have commissioned, like I said, the New York Auto Show is going on right now. I have commissioned a photo essay of all the crazy shifter designs on the floor of that show because I think it's just a fascinating, weird thing that's happening. But it's also an old thing. Everything – it all comes back in the end. We're all just lifting 60s-era Chrysler shifter designs, which when I say out loud sounds horrible. Anyway, look for that this weekend. Uh, we've got a bunch of other stuff for you to listen to. Uh, like I said, Dieter and I are going to do the Vergecast uh, tomorrow. 
Uh, I'm sure we're going to get into some of this open web stuff. I'm sure we're going to get into some of the. I want credit. Well, I'll make sure. Um, I'm sure we're going to get into the patent stuff. There's also all kinds of other tech news going on, so that'll be fun. Lauren Good, who's wonderful, hosts Too Embarrassed to Ask. Kara Swisher hosts Recode Decode. Peter Kafka hosts Recode Media. Those are all great shows, uh, particularly if you're a media nerd. I can't recommend Peter's show enough. And we will be back next week. We've got a few more of these to do. We do. So what I'm asking you, the listener, to do is two things. One, go on iTunes every day and just send us out with a flourish <laughs> A five-star review. Really? You gotta help. Let's pump this up to the number one show on guy. iTunes. Think of it. Just charity. Out with a bang. Uh, and B, we need some killer intros for these last few ones. So tweet at me. I'm at Reckless. Tweet at, tweet at Walt. He's at Walt Mossberg. Uh, send us email. However you want to get great intros to us. Be as creative as possible. Uh, and for these last few ones, if I pick yours, we'll see about sending you some swag in the mail. That's, I'm, oh, I'm, that's I'm nice. putting some icing on it. That's so nice. intros, the best ones. We've got a, you know, a handful of more shows to do. Let's, let's end this thing with a bang. Might even encourage us to do some giant blowout one. Yeah, I got some plans. We'll see. I, I think we can probably do something fun for the last, the last one. But for now, send us your intros, leave us some good reviews, listen to the other shows, and we will be back next week. Thanks a lot, Will. Thanks a lot, Neela. Thanks a lot, Neela.